Hey everyone! Hi James. Hey James. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise him! Uh, yeah, so uh, this <laughs> this episode. <laughs> Not so sure about that one. <laughs> this, this episode will be. <laughs> This episode, we're going to be talking about Stripped Queer at Hares and Hyenas, On the Rise by Oscar Jenkin and Julian Smithgard, and Fifi's Fifth, directed by Malith Wijayawadana. All part of our Fringe-a-Palooza. Fringe-tacular fringe benefits. Fringe of my butt. Nice. Nice. Well, hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going, James? So good. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. It's been half an hour, maybe. Half an hour, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we had a little journey. We did. Didn't we? we? We did. In a purely geographical sense, yes, we did. I don't know what mental journey you might have gone on. Every given... day's a mental journey, doll. We've got to take the victories we can get. And today's victory was getting a little barn me from the little barn Miri. Yeah, great. And, and Sour Patch Kids. I'm currently chewing on Sour Patch Kids, so if you hear me chewing throughout this recording, I apologise. Um, but I will not stop. <laughs> no, there's nothing you could do to prevent no, people no, having I, to listen to you masticate no. on little sour children. People love hearing you masticate. That's all they want. Uh, oh, wait, that's a different thing. <laughs> oh! Um, <laughs> great. Um, so, what do you want to give a star rating to? Well, first of all, Jake, have you got a, a costume for Halloween? A costume for Halloween? Uh, no. No. No, uh, do you? Are you going somewhere? Blunt answer to a very fun question. Um, it's a fun question, but what would I be dressing up for at this point? I don't know. It's Halloween tomorrow, so yeah, some but, people I mean, are I, I, doing Halloween. Th- it's Monday tomorrow, people, so... Are you going... What are you doing? No. no. I'm not. Oh so, oh, so you've also blown it in terms of responding to well, this. Well, I already wore my Halloween costume party to my house party, which you did not come to. No, I didn't, thank you. Um, what did you wear? I wore, like... I was, like, a sexy witch. <laughs> I had, like... I had, like, red thigh highs. I had, like, a glitzy body stocking on underneath everything and, like, red chiffon shirt and a big witch's hat. I think it looked quite nice. Oh, fun. Yeah. Who was the who was the best dressed there? Well, look, we did we we sort of advertised as a dress as much as you want party, so not many people dressed up. Okay. Because <laughs> so, you know when you leave things up to the masses, they tend to underwhelm. They tend to let you down. Yes. Um I honestly would say I was best dressed. <laughs> I was definitely overdressed. Stop gasping everybody. Most, <laughs> most dressed. I had like heels on and everything. So I was just, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Flynn wore like a sexy cowboy outfit with some chaps. I'm going to stop you. Who? Flog, my partner Flog. <gasps> That's right, you have ah, a partner in Flog. Yes. Yes. Been together for a while. Yes. Um, you know him. What was, you like him. What you was him. Flog dressed? He was a sexy cowboy. He was oh, okay. in like chaps, like asses chaps and like a, like a. Also, like his butt was out? He had underwear on. But, oh, okay. But yes, his butt was out. Wow. Yeah, it was good. Um, <laughs> say no more. Uh, and otherwise, my other housemates were also dressed as various variations on Sexy Witch. Okay. So that was the, the, the outfits. But you don't have a go-to, because I've often... T- we record this in one of the rooms in Jake's apartment, and there's this mannequin that's wearing an outfit that looks like you're doing a cosplay of Austin Powers. <laughs> um, oh my god, my, my, I would love to dress as Austin You could Powers. absolutely do Austin Powers. I mean, that's blue, you could do that. Sure. No, I had to explain this to Connor the other day. Um, yeah. No, that that's just a mannequin displaying, it's a five stars mannequin, and it is displaying mm. clothes that I do not often wear, but enjoy looking at. And that's what it's doing over there. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that. Right. But that's an option in the back pocket. 
Otherwise, I've been thinking of, like a little bit lately about the thing of like worrying that the amount that we listen to music is potentially using music as a source of like almost like having emotions on an IV drip. Where has this come from? It's just a thing that I've been thinking about lately. Okay, okay. Um, just sure, yeah. but isn't that what music is? But should it be that? And is it healthy for us to be listening to music as often as we do if that's what we're doing with it? You know, is it a, is it a version of, like, emotional manipulation that... As is, we, we, you think we use music to sort of make ourselves feel a certain way? Uh, or you think a we little. Use music? Like, in the way of, like, thinking about how, as I often come back to this idea that we're supposed to be all just living in a meadow together. Yes. And then everything stacked on top of that is a deviation from ideal... Sort of like classic well, it human. We're meant to be a group experience. of a hundred max. Yes. Yeah. Um. And then uh, we we have these kind of like basic human sort of like caveman-y needs um, without straying into dialogue that sounds like I'm endorsing a keto diet. But is that the one about the caveman food? Is yes. that keto? Yeah. Uh, no, that's paleo. Is paleo. Paleo diet. Yes. Keto no. Is like the one about gluten. Yes, I'm not. What was the name of that man who went crazy? He was like the My Kitchen Rules guy. You. And then he was My Kitchen Rules, the judge, and then he was like, then like peddling all of this like pseudo science. I don't know movies. Anyway, I don't know why I have to talk about him all of a sudden. I mm. don't. Um, yeah, but this concern that we have these drives to seek out particular things, one of them I think being kind of like to, to explore our emotions. Yeah. And music potentially, possibly detrimentally provides us with a chance to experience those emotions while actually having none of the experiences to accompany them? I don't know. I think if you're sort of splitting hairs at that point, it's like, you're right, everything stacked on top of that is already so much. So it's like, isn't everything just kind of fucked? Like, yeah, I don't know. And, this thing, and I'm very mindfully not romanticising yeah. simplicity, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. things aren't just bad because they're inorganic. I don't know. That's where my mind's at. It does feel like we're sort of squishing our brains into weird little boxes that we're never meant to be in. Yeah, and squishing them to the point where it's like we're trying... Like, every decision we seem to be making as we move forward is moving us further in the direction of, like, never having to step outside of a little capsule. Oh, that is the dream, though, isn't it? It's your dream. I'd love to be in my little little, um, Matrix-style pod in a simulation. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. God, if I'm in a perfectly simulated world where I can live my dreams, Mm. don't wake me up. James, are you worried that that's exactly where you are right now? Don't wake me up. Well, actually, if this is the dream world that a simulation's providing me, wake me up. <laughs> wake me up. But you know that very one. lazy philosophy thing where it's like, if you could live any life you wanted, assuming that time is infinite, eventually you would choose the life that you are living right now. Sure. Yes. What's your point with that? Nothing. It just seems like where you were pointing the conversation. Not even slightly. No, I think if I'm, <laughs> if I'm in it, if... A civilization were to create a, a, a simulated world, mm-hmm. and you could live in the simulated world, and it could be anything. It would be bonkers to me that it wouldn't be like every individual's perfect world. You know, like if but you wouldn't be coexisting with those people. No, and that's fine. I wouldn't know. Like if you're not real, and I don't know, what's the difference to my brain? Sure. You know, as long as you're at peace with that. As long as I'm <laughs> at peace. As long as I'm happy, I'm happy. <laughs> Great. So if this is the simulated world, mm-hmm. matrix me out of here. Yeah. Well, what is truth? And why do we think it matters so much? Truth is something that we draw a box around. And then everyone else tries to draw a circle around that box. And once that circle's finished being drawn... You've got half of a PlayStation controller. That's right, baby! (laughs) This is sponsored by PlayStation! (laughs) Wow, wow! EA Sports, challenge everything! That's yep. the GameCube theme. <laughs> Let's talk about some theatre. Let's wait, we have another five no. stars. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, go. Quick, what are we rating? Uh, our last like hour of experience. Our last hour of experience. Um, do you have an answer? I give it 
38 out of 5, because that's how many Sour Patch Kids it looks like are in the bowl. Great, and I'm going to give it uh, 36 and a third, um, right. because I just feel like it. That's Hey, that's a good, do you want to hear the Sour Patch Kids? That's them. Hear that, everyone? That was them. solid foley Here's work. Here's me eating one. Do that again. What does that sound like that isn't... Ugh. What does that sound like that isn't Sour Patch Kids in a bowl? Anything else in a bowl? Shake it again. It sounds, it sounds almost like, like a little elf using a mortar and pestle. Shake it again. Imagine, no. No, give me a second. <laughs> okay, okay, listen. Ha! Ah, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I cannot wait to taste these delicious spices. Let me just get to grinding them up. Mmm! Looking good! I think we should talk about theatre. Okay. <laughs> hey, James. Hello, Jake. I was just remarking on how weird it is that elves pop up in your life so much. Oh, God. <laughs> it's certainly just been exacerbated by five stars. It's just like... It's not helped. It, no. no. Has it helped anything? Anything? No. <laughs> Critics would say not. Um... Of your life, not of your work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, that doesn't matter. That's, that's fine. <laughs> As long as people love my work. <laughs> <laughs> Serve the art. I do. I oh. love your work. You, thank you, Jess. I love it. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so, <laughs> what now? I'm bored. <laughs> so, me and beautiful British Johnny got yes. Indian food. Then we finished the Indian food. How British of Johnny. <laughs> and then we went to um, the uh, hy- like Hares and Hyenas. Which one? Like the, the original Hares and Hyenas or the new one they've done? Haven't they opened a new place? I don't think so. Or as you went to Hares and Hyenas as is. The one, it didn't Fitzroy? Yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. Like the I, queer bookstore where they do performances. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, oh, between the Indian food and Hares and Hyenas, gave Johnny his first slurp, like Slurpee ever? Is that what's what? called? Slurpee? A slushy? What are those 7-Eleven? maybe just re-record this when police and motorbikes are done rolling by. Oh, great. No, I think they're done now. It does just give you an idea of like the, the funky urban environment that we're We're real, guys. <laughs> um, the, uh, is it Slurpees or Slushies? Now I forget. Slurpees. I always forget as well. I, think, I thought it was Slushy. But I think, is that just us being confused by, by Glee. the Simpsons? No, Glee, because they don't really get slushied. Right. And that was the same consistency as you're talking about like a 7-Eleven slur- Slushy, yes. right? Yeah, slushy. Yeah. Slurpee. I think they're the same thing, Jack. I think you're definitely right. I just okay. don't know which one we say in our current culture. Anyway. Slushy. Yeah. Beautiful British Johnny had never had one before. What? And so I bought him one in the interim between Indian and Hares. That's, you want your stomach to be full of Indian food and slushy. Absolutely. For a, for a show at Hares and Hyenas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you like it? What flavour did he go for? Super into it. He was sceptical and then he was like, yes. What flavour? Um, he went with like a like a sour cherry and cola oh. combination. Yum! He did really well. And oh. yeah, no, so I took a number of photos of him having it. <laughs> Great. You sound the, normal. I thank you. <laughs> and now I've printed them all out and they yes. line my walls. <laughs> I've scratched his eyes out, but that's so he can't see. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, nice. um, yeah, so then we yeah lined up out the, uh, out the front of it, and then we went inside. And we were going there to see a thing called Stripped Queer. Stripped Queer. Which I had no idea existed until I saw it in the Fringe program. Great. And the moment I read the description of it, I was like, I must be at this thing. Okay. Please. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, we went in, sat in the third front row... Um, and then I, of course, was self-conscious about my height because the seating was not raked. I bothered the guy beside me being like, do you want me to move to the side? So I bother fewer people with their sight lines. He seemed a bit confronted as to why I was talking to him, given that we didn't know each other. I mean... <laughs> Which is fair enough. And I don't know if I read as approachable and lovely on first, you know, saying. I don't think you can read at all. Thank you. Which maybe he noticed because we were in a bookstore and he and saw you how I... scared and confused. Yes. Oh God, what are all these shapes on these? Small rectangles. Yes. Uh. <laughs> 
Yeah. That um, one's got a butt. Yeah, so I did not move to the side, and I hope I didn't obstruct anybody's view. You probably so the, did. You're very tall. Thank you. <laughs> the premise of the entire thing was that three poets were going to read uh, like poems that they'd written and poems that they liked while fully naked. Ooh. Sounds very up your alley. In what way is that up my you alley? Very, you, you, you love seeing nudity on stage. Something about it makes you go, ooh, ah. Yeah. Like, that's... that's, that's God, it's so beautiful. Mm. And especially seeing it in a, in a space that's, like, void of, like, any sort of explicit sexualization. Yeah, exactly. Because, oh my God, the number of times I just... I, I just spend so much time yelling that, like, bodies aren't inherently sexual and that nudity isn't inherently sexual. Yeah. And, and the bodies are so beautiful. And the way that we seem to be so often just, like, especially in the, in the arts, incapable of experiencing them without this weird additional lens of, like, oh, who's being objectified? Like, how much do you want to fuck them? Like, th- mm. this idea that we can just, like see bodies and then be all the other things that they can be beyond just a thing to have sex with or be sexed by. Yes. You know? Yeah. So anytime that happens, you're all in. Jake is there. That's why I'm excited <laughs> to hear about your opinion on this show. <laughs> um, so it was hosted by Frankie Valentine and she oh, yeah. started the whole thing by talking about, um, which I, I never heard it, disc- and I should have by now, explaining the space and the purpose of like, not just Hairs and Hyenas, but also the evening as well, and talking about it being a queer space and us queering the space with our like, presence there, mm. and queerness, and I'm paraphrasing it, but like, the idea of queerness being kind of anything that exists, in terms of like lifestyle, existing outside of the heteronormative ideas that we get indoctrinated with living in the like, heteropatriarchal system that we live inside yeah. of. And I, and I just thought that was really wonderful, and it... Because like, the LGBTQIA plus community is such a sprawling and confusing one that so many people insist is such a monolithic character. Yeah. And anything that it, and this was one of the few times that I've sort of like heard it be described in a way that does make space for all of the people that do exist underneath this umbrella that even just by kind of like semantics includes the vast majority of people somehow. Yeah. I don't know if it's the vast majority, but it's like adding a plus it's, to the end of that than category. We think it is. Well, the f- even just by virtue of the plus being in the name of the category, mm. it's like who are we excluding at this point? Yeah. Um, which isn't a problem; it's just interesting. So the fact of her being able to describe it in a way that seemed to kind of like consciously and wisely include everyone that kind of lived in any kind of way that ran counter to the typical Disneyfied straight person lifestyle and those values was just like cool to hear said out loud. Yeah, nice. Um, and it was just a cool way to like welcome everybody to the event. Um, but yeah, but yeah, and then the, the poets that read were Gloria DeMillo, Nevo Zissin, and Jasper Peach. And on top of just like the courage necessary to be naked on stage and do a bunch of art, some of which is their own, that was remarkable to see. Yeah. Um, and of course, it was that classic thing of like the moment that you sort of like see naked bodies, like once the f- like first like second or so goes past, you're like, oh, that's unconventional to see. But then it's fine. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, that is what bodies look like. Yeah, you're right. We're definitely trained to look away from naked bodies yeah I think. yeah yeah totally yeah um yeah and then so i just like some like seconds that sort of like some words that stuck out um was there was a passage read from red belly black snake and just like the sentence of like the moment i knew i'd love you forever oh. it was just like a nice thing to hear love. there was like um talking about there was a poem um that jasper peach read about um the fat body in art Mm. and uh, someone describing one of those like big sort of like like robust Botticelli women yeah as being pancake drizzled with sun syrup oh was like oh my god and just like <laughs> being in an audience of people that sort of like do that sort of collective moan together <laughs> was so fucking nice it's just yeah. like it's so nice to feel words hit people yeah no um, that must be so nice yeah um 
And a strength was described. So this is such a milkshake of different people's remarks. But um, the idea of strength was described as being letting people see you and being proud of it. Mm. I thought was a nice way to describe strength. Um, And then... I think a highlight for me was Frankie Valentine, who was the host, also like read out some of her poetry as well. Mm. And she said so many wonderful things. And I think, I don't know. I, yeah. I, yeah. Her one piece that she read specifically that was about um, a woman that she had had like a sexual entanglement with. Um, she just said so many like beautiful, just like anytime someone paints sex as something or even like talks about it or describes it in a way that feels like the first time you're hearing it said about in that way. Oh, yeah, that's special. Which I think when, I think when poetry works, especially for me, it's like the, it, 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 it shines a light at something in a way that you've never seen it hit you before or something, you know? So Absolutely. it's like that kind of thing. And it was, first off, so nice to hear a piece that was so deeply personal and told from such an intricately personal angle, the way that this poem was. And I just really liked um, this remark she had in it of like, she was describing the feeling of like just having sex and sex and sex with a person and then kind of like stumbling out into like this, like the, the town you're in and kind of like the two of you being kind of like disheveled from humping mm-hmm. and then like getting like coffee or something and just feeling like these sex creatures that no one yeah. else understands what you're going through. <laughs> and, and you're just like, and, and she described it as being like, we, like having to leave the house because you can only survive on fuck for so long. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love that your response to it is so such a romantic lilt. <laughs> well, no, I get that. That's mm. you can like you you hit a certain point where it's like this has to be something else as well. Like we can't just be in here forever. Oh, sure. That's so nice. Oh my god. Yeah. But and even just that feeling of like yeah, hunkering down with someone for a few hours yeah. and being like, all I need to survive these times right now is just like yeah. your body for a while. Yeah, that's you so know? sweet. And then that sort of like human schism moment of like but I do need breakfast yes (laughs) we do need to leave the room at some point Mm. Um, on a night that wasn't the night that Johnny and I went after the official event happened there was going to be an open mic one so that you could like get naked and read poetry or something if you wanted to is that a thing you would ever do me oh god I don't think so no why not I am just so nervous about being naked on a stage Mm mm-hmm I don't think I could do it. But that is a thing that you said that you might do. Definitely not on a stand-up night. No, it would would need to be like a planned, rehearsed piece. I couldn't do... Right, off off kilt and up I get, I couldn't do that. Okay, sure. No, because I think also that would... Would that involve getting undressed in front of these people? Uh, Something about the idea of getting undressed or dressing in front of people scares me. Like, being naked, not really a problem if I'm planning for it. I think I couldn't... It would need to be... I'd be nervous. Mm-hmm. I'd be nervous. I'm nervous of my body being in front of people. I don't like it. What about you? Could what you... don't you like about it? Nothing I want to get into on a podcast. Okay. <laughs> That's a ridiculous That's forum a ridiculous to talk place. about. Absolutely not. Um, okay. What about you? Do you, do you, are you? Have you done nudity on stage before? No. Do you, could you? Um, I think in the right context, context in terms of like... I wonder. Like looking at what they were doing, I think... No, because I, no. And I think because it'd be like too double pronged for me in terms of like, to talk to, regardless of what it was that I'd written, I feel like that style of vulnerability, as much as there is an overlap, like that type of vulnerability and me being naked vulnerability are such different vulnerabilities. And I'd need so much time to digest both of them as they were happening, that to do them both at the same time, I think if I were forced to do it, they would numb each other. 
And then afterwards, I'd have to unpack some trauma. <laughs> yeah, that's I a lot think? of trauma. Okay, okay. I think. Stop doing things with your hands. It's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but like one or the other. Wait, so obviously presenting art clothed is fine. <laughs> but, but yeah, to. Mm. I don't know. There's a world where I would do, like, on stage nudity. Yeah, get your tackle out. Yep, but I would need... Yeah, but I think it would just require me to... You need to be prepared. You need to be prepared for it. I suppose. Or even, like, maybe it'd come down to, like, the or- like who the audience was. Or maybe it would come down to what I'd be doing once my clothes were gone. Um, and also my passion for what it was, you know? Sure. Like, especially if it was, like, a... Because nudity is such a generous thing to do. Like, I think if it was in service of something that I had a lot of passion for, or I was excited to see how the art would affect people in a way that really intrigued me. Like, I mm. guess as long as it's worthwhile. Like, anything's yeah. worthwhile as long as the sacrifice is, is something that you're willing to give up for the outcome. Yeah, I, mean, I guess as long as it serves the art. I yeah. suppose, but I think... Cause I, yeah, in cause my mind, I always feel like that sentence is just kind of, like, old and crappy but you don't want to just do nudity for the sake of being nude on stage you know but i i think my ideals are just like against that premise like i think nudity for the sake of nudity is absolutely valid sure no you know like as long as no one's feeling exploited or being exploited like i think as long like it's it's such an interesting ingredient maybe that's just something i need to unpack in myself sure because yeah i feel like the sentence you just said and it's nothing against you but like i feel like that sentence Mm. is just like bandied about because that's what people have been told is like a sensible professional thing to say Mm. but i think yeah, but I, I think it's almost as similar as being like, okay, why don't we just all, for that scene, be carrying tambourines around? And it's like, what? Why? It's like, because it'd be funny. It's like, yeah, but what's the artistic meaning of the tambourines? It's like, wouldn't it be so funny to see you a know, bunch of tambourines? I'm, I'm <laughs> going to do a full... We often say at the end of these episodes that we often disagree with things... We can disagree with things that we say. I disagree with what I said. Hmm. I disagree with it as long as it serves you. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm just reminded of your... Description of the girls in a Babe City Hotline just <laughs> saying things and shouting at each other. Mm. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I take I take back what I said I was wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. I also feel like we devote, even outside of art, devote so much time to everything making sense and having purpose. Yes. And, like, of all the places to be in a space where things don't have to make a lot of sense and can just be kind of like, oh. Yeah, pierce <laughs> the membrane that? of the weird. Like, get Absol- in there. Completely yeah. that. And just be like, oh, my God, if, if that's a thing that we're able to dump onto this thing, why don't we just see what it does? Now I just want to see a serious scene while everyone's holding tambourines. Absolutely. Like that, or, like, or, like, a really serious scene where everyone's fighting but they're wearing tap shoes. Yes, these yeah. are the things. You're right. You know, it's like, oh, oh, stop the recording. Let's get out there. <laughs> we got shit to do. You know, because it doesn't mean any, like, it could still be like a really well-written, wonderful scene that's lit really good. And then on top of it, there's also tambourines there. Uh, that's and you are right. able as a person to extract all of those things and be like, I loved what they said about like monogamy. I love the way that her face looked in that light. You're and right, oh my God, tambourines are <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Yeah, you've opened my eyes a little bit today, Jay. Well, I just think it's interesting. And yeah, and yeah, again, the, the naked, like, naked, what, what am I trying to say? The naked form is it's just... It's a fine form. It's remarkable. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that, as a theatrical ingredient, is gripping in such a, like, a wonderfully, like, we all get one body each. You know? I have a few. You have a few bodies. Yeah, Maybe but the ones in your walls, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. um, but yeah, that's that. Yeah, you're right. I think I, I, I in, even just in this conversation, I think I need to go home and unpack some things about the way I think about nudity because you're super right. Well, I think so, but I don't know. I know there's a lot of opinions mm. out there, but nudity. Yeah. Hmm? Anyway. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Um, that's nice. What you just said about me being very handsome—that's very true. It's a shame you weren't recording. 
Um, he fully so, made that up. No, you know he, he made said that nice up, things. Dear he says nice things about me all the time. So I w- went to a show. <laughs> okay, try that again confidently. No. <laughs> I went to see a show at TheatreWorks. Great. I went to the TheatreWorks to see theatre. Yeah. Saw a musical. Great. This is on the same night that I saw other show. This was with Patrick. Patrick. Oh, right. Our friend Patrick. And you saw... Was the other one you saw? This was... is where we live. That's the one you saw last time. And yes. then the same evening you also saw On yes, the Rise. That's right. And that's what you're about to talk about. Double feature. That's right. Great. Yes. Science fiction. Science fiction. Double feature. That's good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, On the Rise, the musical. Great. It is a new musical. Um, it, I, I believe it is like it, it had like a sits probe. And this is sort of like a live, ver- like, it's not a fully realized, fully, fully realized musical. It's like a live performance of the sits probe that they did. Okay. From from what I understand, um, if that's not the truth, I did not mean to inf- insult anyone, and I deeply apologise. Good, love a preemptive backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> so don't yell at me. I'm just an idiot. I'm trying. Uh, so yeah, written by Oscar Jenkin and Julian Smithgard. Um, it chart. It is the. I'm saying charts a lot. I should stop doing that. Uh, it tells the story of. In in a nutshell, it tells the story of a city. <laughs> Good setting for a story. <laughs> Help! I'm in a nutshell. Yeah, that's good. That's very clever, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. Very clever. And an Austin Powers reference, just to bring it back. Is that an Austin Powers reference? A, remember, he's talking to Heather Graham, and he's like, "Help! I'm in a nutshell." <laughs> oh, that's right. That's funny. Go on. I only remember um, Beyonce Knowles and Nathan Lane. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> she's Foxy Cleopatra, and she's a whole lot of woman. Magnificent. <laughs> um, so it is the story of a city going through a revolution. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be it's set in the dis- not the, not too distant future. Oh, my least oh, favorite setting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the whole thing is sort of like the city is sort of crumbling and falling apart, and it's under martial law, I think. Mm-hmm. And everyone's sort of angry at each other all the time. Everyone's sad and scared, and the ruling class are all cunts. And so the what made them sad and scared? Are you about to tell me that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Unclear. Okay. I believe they're in a war. <laughs> sorry. So this is part... Okay. No, sorry. I have to flag why I'm laughing. It's just because unclear, for some reason in my mind, sounded like unclear. It's like, could you do it more like an uncle? <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, kid, so... <laughs> sorry. Let's not get distracted that's by my brain. <laughs> that's a bad joke. Um, so... The thing that is the most charming thing about this show is mm. that it's a it is a big cast. Like it's like easily fifteen people on stage. I don't, I'm, I'm bad at numbers as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> <numbers> you up. <laughs> Continue. Um, uh, and they're all so keen to be there. Like everyone, it's just seeing young people do art and be so passionate about it is so nice. It's Greece too. It's Greece too. Great. Um, and so this it is. I, I couldn't. There are some. As I said, because of the nature of it being quite a fresh work, there are some plot bits which are a little bit hard to sort of follow. I think the city is falling into disrepair because they're in a war. They mentioned briefly they're in a war and mm-hmm. they have food shortages. Okay. Which seem to be the major driving forces behind the people revolting. Which is fair enough. You're out of food. You need to do something. Get revolting. Get get revolting. <laughs> That's a bit of a Matilda reference for your nerve. Oh, yeah. um, I love that show. Oh, yes, you do. I do. I like when they do the alphabet. <laughs> they do the alphabet. Oh, they're doing the alphabet! Only because when I saw the Matilda musical at the 
princess theatre when they did the alphabet song. I had one of those rare transcendent moments of like, it's like, how are they doing this song? I oh, feel yeah. like I'm like being electrocuted. Your brain's being scratched. Yeah, that, that gate scene's pretty intense. Oh my God, when that stuff. guy's like climbing to the top of the yes. gate. Well, I mean, do that's the... just good before. That's wild. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Crappily structured musical. No this... gates in this show. No. Oh God. Okay. I know. Well, that's one mark against them. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have the Matilda gates. Um, so the city's revolting. It is, so because because it is a fresher work, it, it, a lot of the characters just sort of get introduced by virtue of them being there. So like, there's I I, I can't exactly remember the order in which they're introduced. I believe we start with Ariane, who is like um, uh, played by Shannon Yang. Hmm. Uh, she's the sort of like me, I, I would argue one of the the main character. She's mm-hmm. like the one that sort of leads the revolution eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she sort of is. No, we don't start with her. We start with Frida. Sorry, we start with Frida, played by Nina Dell. Is it important to you that you do it in order of appearance? <laughs> it's, it's important because that'll help me understand what I'm trying to say. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so, Nina Dell, first of all, Nina is an incredible performer. Great. And because this, I feel she was in the wrong show. Ooh. Where because should she, she have was been? Play, she should have been playing on, like, some sort of MTC dramatic play mainstay. Like, she was giving... Acting. Oh wow! Like she was really getting into it. Okay. Like uh, from the moment I saw, I was like, in like oh, an yeah. MTC, in like a really, really good. Yeah, because MTC is the pinnacle. Of course, it's what we're all striving <laughs> for. They make perfect art. Um, <laughs> but like everything she said, I was like, oh yeah, I'm into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so she starts off. She's arriving at the city, and she gets to the gates of the city. She's like, oh, I came. This is my home. I used to be here. And there's like an angry guard who's like. You're not allowed in. Everything's changed. It's, it's the Wizard of Oz. It's the, it's the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you can't go there. It's all different. She's like, oh my, how things have changed. Oh and no. then he does let her in. Like the Wizard of Oz. Yep. <laughs> he just says, come in. So she goes, okay, I'm coming in. And then she gets like, people sort of, you know when a town changes to be busy and people walk past you and bump into you because they're not Is looking it where they're going? It's the, we're in New York briefcase, That one of those moments. Like I forget, was there was one in Ghost... It's like, you know, in King Kong, it's the one of those New York songs where it's like, business and numbers and briefcases and walking yes, and move, stupid. Instead of business, it's more like famine and pox and disease and war. Like, it's all of these hey, things. Hey, yeah. hey. So the whole, everyone has the aesthetic. So first, I should say, everyone has the aesthetic of, like, steampunky, crab fishing, Victorian London. You know, if you were to say, like, I want you to set a show in, like, London... During the Industrial Revolution, but make it look spooky. Oh my god! You know that exact sort of vibe. Sort of. That's what this was. <laughs> okay. Um, if, Great. if anyone out there has ever played the video game We Happy Few, that look it up for reference. Okay. So, so they're all walking around being sad and clumpy, <laughs> and she said, "Here's one of my things I'll say. Yep. One of my things I found most endearing about the show is there's so many tropes in it that okay. are sort of like, oh, it's this. And one of the tropes that I love the most is." People running into each other on the street of a busy city. Mm. Like, in the entire city. People that know each other. People that know each other. Yeah. They always run into each other. Mm. And so she's walking away going, I'll never find myself. Oh, here she is. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Running into each other on the street. And she's sort of like... lucky. (laughs) And so Frida meets her sister, who is Ariane, played... uh, I've already mentioned Shannon Yang. Mm. And she's sort of like, hi, Ariane. And Ariane's like, hello, I'm leading a revolution. And it's just sort of like this immediate... Oh, the, okay, so we're, we're just going into this. Right. Which is great. Like, they just go, yeah, the revolution's... I kind of appreciate they skip the whole, we, this is enough, this is too much, we need to start. So, oh, yeah, the scene where they all sit around in, like, a bar, and oh, they're like, oh, we're all so sad. Do something! <laughs> so they're already doing something. Great. So she's already starting the seeds of revolution, because... Now, this is where I get a bit confused. Great. <laughs> the king is bad. Oh, no. 
because it's like just a classic thing of the ruling class not understanding the needs of the people and being shit and rich and all this all generic bad things. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Um, but the king that was there is no longer there. It's a new king, his brother, mm. who is kind of a flimsy, flamsy, wishy washy. Oh, you know, like, I don't know what I should do. Hey, evil advisor. And the yes. evil advisor goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you should kill all the people. And the king just yes. goes, murder. Like, he's that sort of character. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yes. And, like, he has some arc that's all about, like, I guess I've got to stand up for the people. And then he just dies. And it's like, okay, all the, right. The new king dies. The new king dies Okay. at some point because the people... Rebel and kill him. And then gets replaced by Jafar? He gets replaced by the original king. So the original king that had sort of, for some reason, was no longer on the throne. They never say why. There was like, God, I wish he was on the throne. It's like, Mm. why isn't he? He's like, once again, just sort of ran into the revolution leader on the street. Right. And they're like, we're going to be, I'm going to side with you. I can help you take the throne because everyone likes me and I should be the king. Mm. And they all just say, yes, that's a good idea. Okay. And so they all go along with it. Mm. Not sure why he's not on the throne anymore. Because he did he like abdicate in order to focus on his country singing they career? May, they may have said it, but if they did, it was a single sentence and I missed it. Okay, great. Um, I'm not sure why he's not on the throne, but he's not. But but now he's back. But this is all the end that happens. I'm trying. Oh, okay. I'm trying. I'm, I'm going to be all over the place with this. So I'm great. sorry if you're looking for a genuine good reading. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry if you wanted someone who retains the plot. I <laughs> <laughs> I could not. I found it difficult. So what else happened? Um, okay, best. I'm going to just start off with two, two of my favourite things from the show. Great. So I mentioned the evil counsellor before. Yes. It's an evil council of four. And it is... Oh, so it's of, not Jafar. It's like four Jafars. Four Jafars. And it is, it, it, it is the best example of, hey, four actors who are keen to do stuff. You all go on and play the most evil characters you can. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so they all come on and they've all got their own distinct version of evil. Yes. So like the lead counsellor, um, Herman, played by Jack Smith, comes on and he's got like a southern accent. He's, <gasps> you shouldn't do this, King. You should do this because that's the will of the people. They like were allowed to go as far as they wanted oh, in they, every direction. And they did. So that was him. Oh. Uh, and then they had, I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to remember who was what. Here we go. Uh, we had... G- uh, Gigi as JJ. That's a confusing. Gigi as JJ Bart was okay. the character. Um, they were the head of like the money, so they were all like greedy, and they were like, "I'm gonna t- like." Bam! They were all evil and spooky and witchy, and like, <laughs> like almost. <laughs> I, I don't mean to make this comparison. Do it, but behave like you know, big mouth. Sure. <laughs> you know they're getting into the dogs like this. Oh, so one that seems old and wrinkly and they have to get no, subtitles. No, okay, I see how you did that. No, no. <laughs> the one who has the little pube knights that guard her cervix. You, you know the one who... The Which one, one? She's like the blonde. She's the one who... Um, is sort of like the one that sounds like Adam Pally, the one that dates like the bisexual yes, magician. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> like that. I that character comparison. I feel. I'm not sure if that's meant to be made, but that's the character comparison I made. Okay, sure. Uh, there was also um, Ruby Stewart was Jebediah. Okay. And man, Allegra Penna was Manford. Now I'm sorry, I can't remember. I can't remember who played which one. Mm. But there was the the, four, the fourth member, of the, the third member of the little group was like this war person, uh-huh. and she was like very strict and down the barrel, and like her evil was all angry and about war. Mm. I think. Okay. And the other one was sort of like this 
like a spy master sort of person and she was always being very like aloof and trying to seduce people into like it was just four people doing all different evil perfect and it was yeah magnificent and they had one great song and there was a moment when they were doing their song and it was all about like them running the kingdom and the king not really this is like the flimsy flamsy king not really knowing anything and he should just sit back and let them do it Mm -hmm. and they all got the line at one point in the song. It's like this sort of like jazzy number. They're all like singing about how good it is to be in charge. And then <laughs> one person comes along. And in her hand, she's holding four canes. Four canes? Four canes. And she comes along. And to each of them, she gives a little cane. Yes. And they do a little cane number. Yes! Like the jazz, a little kick in the cane. I mean, she came out with a cane. And from that moment, I was like, I'm in love. Oh! I mean, this, this, this quartet needs to be in everything. Oh my god. So good. So good. <laughs> so that was good. There was also one little bit that I remembered. When the... So there was a point when the... I think the revolution was happening. You think? They, they, the, 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 the idea of what a revolution is seems to be pretty broad. It seems to just be a lot of like people running around screaming. Like, yeah. So that, that's good. That's what I've imagined the final Hunger Games movie is. It's... I've only seen the first one. <laughs> You're missing out on a classic piece of cinema. I can't look at Jennifer Lawrence's face. Why not? I just can't. I tried to watch Mother and I was like, there's too many close-ups. <laughs> I can't do it. Isn't it Mother? Because there's an exclamation point. There is. You're right, actually. Yes. <laughs> so. Anyway. <laughs> there's a revolution. Um, during this revolution bit, they're all running around g- going crazy and revolting. And there's this one bit where... This guard, who I'm pretty sure was played by Will Palmer. I'm sorry if it wasn't. Whoever it was, you were brilliant. Hmm. He's sort of like... It's it's this sort of farcy, sort of cabaret-y vibe of... Them all, there's bits of them all running around going crazy. And then it has a moment of the guard interacting with someone who just is immediately killed by the revolution in front of him. And he has to go, oh, and run away. And then he'll come back to the next person up the chain and be like, sir, you'll never believe what's happening. And then this other person just gets killed in front of him by the revolution. He's like, not again. And I just thought that was really funny. That sounds I, funny. Just, I just found that really funny. Um... Yeah, uh, shout out very quickly to Tom, if you're if you're listening to this, this is me live reacting to how to say your second name. Tom Lizakiewicz. Could you please show me that surname? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> Tom oh Tom Tom Lishkovitz? Lishkov that sounds way more real. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm on a very tired break no. today. Yeah, it's, no, it's a beautiful combination it's a gorgeous, of letters. Le- a lot of letters. Um, <laughs> played the the second king, the deposed king. And it was just another kid situation of these stock characters we've spoken about in the past that people are able to sort of slip into. And this of this sort of the pompous king that just doesn't get what real people are like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's like, oh, well, I should be in charge because... I'm the king and people like me. And yes. his hands always fluttering about. Mm. And watching him and this sort of aggressive, angry, revolutionary leader sort of just, Ariane, sort of like be around each other was quite a fun little, little contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, I will just say... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was no, pretty annoyed. upset. No, no, no. I just, do, I just don't know why we need... Why all stories need to have a love story. Sure. You know, like, there was so much in this story. They were they were they had a lot of pots on the go. Like it was very ambitious the amount of things they tried to do in the show. Yeah. Like to to tell the story of an entire revolution like this was very ballsy. But they had so much drama between the two sisters who were already in the story. 
that they could have had that been the entire emotional axis of the show, but sort of towards the end, in a very unfortunately predictable way, um, Aaron and Ariane, the, the the fancy king and the revolutionary leader, mm. I guess fall in love at okay. a point that I missed. Mm. And they're like they have this heartfelt smooch. The, like the the actors were amazing. Like it was like there was really beautiful moments between them of like stark distress in com- in comparison to the rest of the show. Mm. But it just left me feeling like, oh, <laughs> like right, okay. I don't. It just it, it felt very like like they'd finished the show, written the show, and then just gone back and been like, I guess we need like love stories. So these two just put them together. Mm. And there was, I just, because Aaron's character was so, no fault of Tom, Tom, terrific actor, but was so deeply unlikable. Sure. Like, I just found no, because there was no point where it was like, oh, he's come around to understand the people are people. He's come around to see that people need more than just fancy leadership. Mm. There was no point where I felt like they should have sort of been seeing eye to eye. Sure. Well, especially not if that love story is what brought him around to understanding the people. No, because the love story definitely didn't feel like that. Right, yeah. No. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wonder how much, because having seen so much, like, there's so many things that I've been, like, forced to come to, like, face to face with watching this many fringe shows in yes. a row. And it's interesting, and one of those things, as it, even you bringing it up, it's like, it's one of those classic things that people often talk about as being, like, an unnecessary add-on, the insertion of some sort of love story arc. Yeah. Like, the number of shows that I've seen even just in Fringe, but beyond, of course, of just like, okay, and now I guess we'll give two supporting characters a, like, will-they-won't-they they subplot. Yeah. For the sake of nothing. Like, we all know, like, unless you're going to do something quite interesting or it's going to bolster some sort of theme or something present in the work, oftentimes it does just feel like this weird insertion that's just there to, like, hopefully elicit a sense of, like, aww, from the audience. Yeah. And it's like, there are more interesting things to make an audience feel. And it, is, it is, yeah, because there are more interesting things. There were so many interesting themes in this show, and I feel like if they hadn't spent a bunch of the second half focusing on this love. Like, I really wanted to know more about the sisters' relationship, and I mm. really wanted to know more about what the counsellors were up to, because they were great. Mm. They were only in a few scenes, and they also fell victim to that trick of, here the evil counsellors are on the street, running into the, the king who's hiding from them. Mm. And it just sort of felt like, there is a bloody, awful, like, war-filled revolution going on. Why are you all on the street? What are you <laughs> sure. all doing? Maybe it's a walkie city. It, it definitely <laughs> felt like it. Um, no, no. But I, I think love interest aside, mm. I, yeah, it's, it is really exciting to see this group do new things. And I hope they do work like work on this show and finesse it because it, it feels really good. Cool. Like it, it was really fun to and engaging to watch them all do it. Mm. Um, and I feel like if they, yeah, when, when they invest more time into it, I can really see it doing some great things. Great. That's really exciting. I can see it being... On the rise. Disgusting. I thought that was good! <laughs> yeah, I know you did. <laughs> on, on the rise. Is that, the, is that all you want to say? Um, was there anything else I needed to say? No. Hey, James. Hi, James. I'm sorry, did I hit record just as you reached for another Sour Patch Kid? <laughs> I had to throw it back in the bowl as you as you started. I'm, what? Oh, we'll I'm have eyeing a off more. a red one with a little ball of sugar on it. I'm very oh, excited. Hear that, little guy? Coming for you. <laughs> Um, okay, so I went to see... So I took my pal Harry, and we went to see this show called Fifi's Fifth. Fifi's Fifth. Fifi's Fifth. Um, the reason I went to see this show is because I am not one to go to immersive participatory theatre. 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I thought as service to... Uh, the this, arts. To the arts, to this podcast, to trying to broaden my own horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the description of this show and it was like, you're invited to come and attend this birthday party. It's like 100% audience interaction. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I have to do this even though... You did it? I yeah. So I was like, good God. Okay, so I need to find a person to go with that can cope with that type of immersion. So who's Harry? Harry Goody. Oh, Harry Goody. Sorry, yes. Harry Goody, whom you know. I do know Harry yes. Goody, yes. Yes, he's great. So yeah, I grabbed Harry and we had a big day at the theatre. It's the same day that we saw Manifesto. Yep. And yeah, uh, yeah. so we turn up. And I didn't tell Harry very much about it, <laughs> but then we sort of like clumped together, like the group of us going to Fifi's Fifth in the Fifi's Fifth in like the little in a portion of the yard area at the the, the Fringe Hub. Oh, then... I remember seeing the sign pointing around there. Oh, okay. sure, yeah. yeah. And then we got like filed around into this separate building, and then yeah, so then we all walked in, and then we're sort of met by the mother of Fifi, who's on the phone and greeting us to the birthday party. Lovely. And we go in. Okay. And we go into this room. Fear is. Filling my body. Yeah, I can see it filling your body now. <laughs> We're just talking about it. Oh my god! So we go in there, and there immediately we see. Um, so Eliza Grundy is playing Elsa from Frozen. Oh, magnificent! <laughs> so she's dressed up as Elsa, and she's like greeting us all, and then all of us. There's probably about twenty of us attending this birthday party. Right. And the whole time we get treated as if we are other four and five year olds <laughs> attending this birthday party. So no different to your usual way of being treated. Uh, yeah. You're dumb. I do not attract condescension. You don't <laughs> repel it. <laughs> so we're like are told to sort of stand in a circle. We all get given party hats, <laughs> which of course triggers that anxiety inside of me in that my I have a big head. And so <laughs> I'm accustomed to like, especially those like bonbon Christmas cracker hats never fitting on my noggin, which is devastating Did it work? for a child. Well, this was like the elasticated cone shaped ones. Yeah. And that went on like a treat. No, I wouldn't say like a treat. It was straining, but it went on. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm clinging pretty close to Harry, still full of fear. Yeah. And then the show, be- well, I guess the show begins, the party starts. <laughs> and then, yeah, Eliza starts talking to us. It's incredible to me the way that so many of these adults just melted so rapidly into being children. What do you mean? In the way of, like, the way that they would engage with Elsa, the way that they would participate in the games. Like, and this isn't, this is not a critique. I'm envious yeah, of yeah. their readiness to, yeah just devolve somehow into the, 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 the comfort and playfulness of children. Wow, that's amazing. It was wild. Like, some of them even, like, changed their voices. Some of them were, like, uh, yeah. Talk- As in, were they putting on a role to be a part of the show but sort of thing? Or I think maybe part of it was them trying to participate correctly. You know, yeah. there's that, always that weird pressure. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, but some of them seemed just really just, like... Like beautifully prepared to just be like, Oh, Like Elsa's like, how old is she turning? And then the adults are putting on this like classic childish cadence of like, five. It's like, wow, this is really interesting. But yeah, so that continues for a while. And then Harry taps me on the shoulder at one point and is like, this is becoming a real pattern for people seeing things before I do. Taps me on the shoulder and is like, Jake, look behind you. I turn around. And there's this terrifying clown standing behind. Oh! 
It's like, good God. Um, yeah, and it's Shani Nawa. Shani Nawa dressed as this sort of like what seems to be like accidentally as a terrifying clown who's like meant to be the sidekick at this birthday party. Oh, God. <laughs> so that was shocking. But um, what, yeah. were they, what were they doing just standing behind you? That's just how, because the, the, where we were standing in the circle, the only entrance point was behind where me and Harry were standing. Oh, God. And so they used that thoroughfare as kind of like a place of like exits and entrances and also to kind of have peripheral conversations. Yeah, okay. Because, um, yeah, but so then the clown joined the party and was also then helping us um, be navigated through the party. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's happening. There's this weird pressure of like, and sort of like a, th- like a throughout thing, kind of like the Elsa character and the actor playing the character in this world. Mm. It, it sort of like see these very early cracks emerging of like, does she really enjoy doing this work? Um, and it's like, how much does she want to be there and how much does she wish she were like a, like a proper actor or something? Yeah. And yeah. That sounds um, really, that sounds like a really interesting premise. To- I completely agree. Um, yeah. And, and as I've come to learn, it's like the show itself was kind of developed through the cast working together and beefing out these characters at this party. Did they ever, do, do you think, do you know if they ever did any work with actual children or, or if it was always just... Well, I don't think the show's ever been intended for real children. No, so, no. But yeah, they... no. So I, th- I think... I'm not certain, but sure, I, I've sure. not heard anything about them dealing with real children. Yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah so that that begins happening. And then... <laughs> and so then it sort of all takes a turn when, again, I don't see somebody enter. <laughs> and then suddenly Jackson Ether is standing there. And so he comes in and he is like the dad of Fifi and is the husband of the mother who was on the phone at the start. Yep. And so he's the dad and he comes in and he and Elsa have this moment where they see each other. And then it's like... Oh no, something's happening. <laughs> and so what this, sort of look was it? It was like a look of significance. It was the sort of okay. thing where they, they sort of lock eyes and then there was like some, there was like a lighting desk in the corner and so there was light effect happening and that would kind of be the way that we, because there were that's when we first got the glimpse of this function of sometimes we'd be sort of transported dramatically out of the party and be inside of the flashbacks mm. of this relationship that, that mm. we then understand exists between Elsa and the dad. Yep. And uh, so that was exciting just to know that there's like another ingredient happening. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so then what we then start of, we, we start learning about the two of them and how they were in a relationship when they were about 17 and about the dissolution of that relationship and the love that they used to have for each other, which of course, all these themes <laughs> super into. And it was also yeah. very nice to have these glimpses of, you know, a, 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 like a different, like a surprising style of like, emotional exploration in what I thought was just going to be an immersive birthday party experience. Yeah, that sounds way more to it than I thought it would be, just sure. by the way you described it initially. Was it just the three performers? It was the mum, the dad, the clown, and Elsa. So there's four of them. Oh, four of them. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but <laughs> we have to move swiftly along to the part where Jake got more pulled into it than he wanted to be. Yes! <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about this. So we're standing there in a goddamn circle. And... <laughs> standing? Standing. Yep, we're standing. At this point, I think maybe we've played Duck, Duck, Goose and... <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Giant's Treasure. This is fringe, baby. <laughs> Um, and so we're standing there sort of silently. Something is happening in the background. I feel like Elsa and the mum might be talking. Um, and then, so the clown is sort of like, uh, Shani playing the clown is sort of like, she, I see her kind of like talking softly to like a couple of the women to my right. Mm. And she's asking them a question and they keep saying no to her. And I can't hear what the question is. But then as she gets closer to me, I'm hearing that she's asking if the, she's asking people to be her husband. And people keep saying no to her. Oh. And it's like, why do they keep doing that? That's devastating. <laughs> and 
And then she gets to me and asks me if I could be her husband. And then I said to her, it's like, if it's useful to you. Jake. <laughs> and what? It's just such a you response. Well, I don't just say no. I don't want to ruin it. I don't yeah. want it to be like the Beyonce-Rihanna debacle of the fucking whatever, bottom that we saw. I didn't want it to be Jake yes. fucks the show up. <laughs> yes, that's right. I forgot about that. When you said Beyonce and Rihanna, I got very confused. Yes. And it's like, neither. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> um, but yeah. Neither. Sorry, so- <laughs> I'm sorry. But so- to- for a recap, someone, someone asked Jake, do you like Beyonce or Rihanna in a show? And Jake's response was, neither. Well, like, I'm sorry. What is that response? Pick one. It's the truth. Oh I'm my sorry. God. Uh-huh. But right, see, moments like that are why I'm terrified of them. Yes. This is the partially. And should be. And of ruining them. Yes. That's my concern. So, so this uh, time you said, I'm playing along. I, this time I said, if it's useful to you, and she said something like, that'd be lovely. And right. so then we sort of like interlock arms, and she walks me around for a bit, and then sort of like in secret, she gives me this piece of paper, and she's like, I'll tell you when to read from it. And then it's like, great. And so then we spend some time kind of like walking in more of a circle. Um, eventually what then proceeds to happen is in a flashback, that I am now a part of. Oh my god. <laughs> we get thrown back into the wedding of the clown real character. Like when she's not dressed as a clown. Yep. The person that she is. And it's me, her husband, yep. at our wedding. Yeah. And so what is written on the piece of paper that I then have to read from is the speech that I give at my wedding. <laughs> Whoa, that's and, fun. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it was fun. That's fine. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no. And I'm just telling you that because that was part of my experience of being dragged... <laughs> further into dragged this to hell <laughs> further into it than I expected to be dragged that's fun um, yeah no it was fun mm. it was great the whole show was such a wonderful time yeah um, there was a beautiful moment where we, they brought out one of those like parachutes the kids pop up and down fuck off I love those things right oh my mm. god yeah, everyone no. loves those things well I don't that's... think I'd ever done one before oh you all did it well yeah so we, all of us in the circle took the side of the parachute and we lifted it up and down a number of times and it was so soothing so James so, it, that when did you do the thing where you pull it over yourself and you all sit inside it? Well, that's the thing. We did that. So oh, that's the most soothing feeling in the world. You'll never experience that again. And the clown yep. is instructing us and she's like, up, oh, okay, and this time we're going to go under. And so we put the parachute up and then as the parachute comes down, we scoop under. under. But then what also happens is Elsa and Jackson come underneath the parachute with us. And then while we're underneath this parachute, we watch them have this beautiful conversation from their, like when they were 17 together, talking about how in love with each other that they are and they kiss under the parachute with us. Oh my God! That truly top five chills. fringe experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. Oh my god, because those parachutes, there's always been something so special about that space underneath it. Sure. It's, there's something, it's removed from the world, you're just down there with your friends, it's mm. just no one else around. And there's, there's something about the air quality even, of like all the air rushing out slowly. Oh. It feels so like, oh. So to do a piece of theatre inside that space. It was truly unforgettable. That's it was amazing. One of those theatre moments where I could feel it like sizzling into my permanent memory. Oof. Oh, psych. Ooh. Oh. You gotta go watch Frozen right now. Okay, but I can't watch the second one because it's too confusing. And too lesbian-y. Is it lesbian-y, the second Frozen? Not enough, no. <laughs> um, a through line of the entire show was kind of the idea, and that's part of what our purpose was, I suppose, dramaturgically, of us being the children, mm. was the feeling that I'm sure we all had of being a child and adults thinking that they're keeping from you their yeah. adult issues yeah. by just sort of like having the conversation two meters away from you. Yes. And being like, I fully can hear everything you're saying and I understand enough of it to know what's going on, yeah. but you're, I don't know, conveniently deciding that I'm too much of a child to get it. That sounds like a really clever use for immersive theatre. I agree. Yeah, I really like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one of the, 
Definitely, if I were to like make a BuzzFeed list of the funniest sentences from Fringe this uh, year, okay. amongst them would be the sentence when Elsa is sort of like frantically talking to the clown early on in the experience, and she's just worked out whose house she's at, and she says to the clown in like a stage whisper, she's like, the wife knows about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Dressed as Elsa. Oh my god, so funny. Magnificent. And there's also a part where they've left the kids frozen during a game so that the clown and Elsa can go off and have a private conversation. And then they forget that they've left all the kids frozen. And then Elsa comes back in, just like, oh, fuck, the kids are frozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there was a bunch of other stuff in it. But if they do it again, I think you should go. I will not continue just like yeah, pointing out everything that's great about this show. But yeah, it was super great. I'm very grateful that I challenged myself to see mm. a piece of theatre that on paper I should not have enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, super grateful for it. Um, it was a really cool time. Sounds it. Yes. And I've. <laughs> told myself to stop saying that things were a cool time at the end of talking about them on this well, podcast. Well, you just did it. So. Well, I did, so I broke my own rule, um, and that goes to show you how much I <laughs> am connected to my integrity. It's time for you to be taken out the back and shot. Don't shoot me in the head. Not in the head. Oh. <laughs> in the heart. Oh, no! <laughs> Incredible. Oh, my God, amazing. Oh, my God. We talked about theatre, and we saw it, and now we're here. Guys, life's a journey. <laughs> sometimes... Oh. I'm not done. Yeah, no, please go and on. And sometimes... You've got to get on the horse's back and just say, let's fucking go. To the horse you say that? To the horse. You say, let's fucking go. And the horse says, no, Stanley, you're in a a coma, a medically induced coma. You need to wake up. And then you say, no, let's go to the party. And the horse, (laughs) you can stop me at any point. One of the most horrific things that I think you can do to a person, and maybe it's just to a person that is as mentally weak as me, is to just look them in the eyes and say something like, you have to wake up. Oh, yeah, that's horrible, isn't Oh, it? my God. Yeah, Convincing yeah. someone that they're potentially just dreaming. Oh, like that, <laughs> adjacent to that is um, watching any of those videos where they play that trick on their kid where they like cover them with a blanket and they say, we're going to make you invisible. And then they take the blanket off and all the family acts like they're invisible. And no. And the kid's like going, Unforgivable. oh, you can't see me. Like, that's no, horrible. No, and the only way you can add a level of darkness to that is to film it and put it on the internet. Yes. I and cannot... then to kick the child. Uh, and to kick the child, mm. yes. And then to also reveal to them that you actually had the two triplets they were born with shipped off and they've been murdered in a war. <laughs> I don't think it's murder if it's in a war. What, you don't think murder can happen in war? No, I think they legally call it something else. You, what would they call it? Killed. Uh, oh, so you have emotionally severed ties from anybody in terms of believing it's a murder if it happens at war. You're pro-war? I'm not pro-war. I think I just say it's interesting that we set up systems where we are able to do that because in war it's justifiable. Are you, are you saying that with that inflection, or are you, yes. are you saying it is or isn't justified Not in war? justifiable, no. Okay, no, great. I'm saying they would classify it as not murder in war. But you would, in terms of... I think for, for the purpose of a person's being killed, yes. You deem murder unethical, and in war it is as bad as it is outside of war to murder yes, somebody. Yes, I do, I do do that, but I'm just saying it feels weird. To, the, grammatically, the sentence they were murdered in, in a war feels grammatically weird to me. Okay, great. Because in a legal... Finding sense, mm. I feel like they would say they were killed in action. Could I declare war in this apartment <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then stand no, no, I'm going to stop you, I'm going to stop you. <laughs> and legally you haven't finished the sentence. End the episode. End it, wrap it down. <laughs> we may already disagree. I don't, I don't have the buttons. <laughs> we may, all- may already dis- we already. I disagree with everything we've already said. Friends shouldn't let friends become theatre critics. We need to wrap up. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>